Welcome to the Pearls of Wisdom podcast, where we mix business, law of attraction, spirituality, and well-being with great guests and phenomenal stories. You'll hear hints, tips, and up-to-the-minute information on digital communication from an expert in her field. Pearl has some wonderful individuals in her networks, and she will be interviewing them all at some point in the future. Enjoy your listening. Well, hello and welcome to another one of the Pearls of Wisdom um, podcast interviews. And once again, throughout March, I'm adding to the series I'm doing about International Women's Day. And today I have the most special lady. We've recently connected only a few months ago, really, but it feels like we've known each other for a lifetime or lifetimes, I think. I think I think we're kid, kindred spirit from previous lifetimes. Today, I am speaking to Helen Rose Kalia Jacobs. Welcome, Helen. It is such such a treat to have you on the podcast. Thank you. It's it's a real honour to be included in this. I've so been looking forward to our interview because I know there are going to be synchronicities, there's going to be magic, there's going to be everything happening on here. So before I start the interview, I'm going back to your Facebook profile because because this whole story about International Women's Day and the project came from a post I did on Facebook. So I'm going back to all the wonderful ladies' Facebook profiles to actually use that as the introduction so dear listeners you have a very special lady today (laughs) helen is a self-love architect author media personality public speaker nutritional fusion chef and a musician now how's that for an introduction helen welcome and thank you so much for being here Thank you. It really is really good. Uh, the whole thing, I've been following the whole thing with great, great, you know, it's just been really inspiring to be amongst so many inspiring women, powerful women. It, I can't quite believe how it's coming together. And like you say, the massive names that are taking part in this, all I can say is thank you to my guides and to the universe, because this isn't me. It's my guides and the universe bringing the right people together. But it is it is a real privilege to be sitting here amongst so many big names. It's quite exciting. But you are a very big name as well, lovely lady. I know, but <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's so many like authors, and, <laughs> you know, people who I've um, drawn inspiration from over the last few years especially over the last few years and then to see their names and faces and then I see my little picture there I've sort of figured whoa because <laughs> I'm still humble you know I don't I don't kind of like like uh, run away with the fairies on anything I'm very very humble and grounded and I think this is why so many people connect with you and are inspired and empowered by you and that is why I've brought all these wonderful women together for International Women's Day. So I will ask you what I've asked every lady on this (laughs) series. Helen, could you share your career, um, your career path, your career story? Because with this, we're hoping that we can inspire, we can empower young girls through and women throughout their career even if it's just one thing you say, but I know it's going to be far more than one thing that you say, if it's going to inspire someone. So could you please share your career journey with us? I'm just going to check. Can you still hear me okay? Because you're frozen on my screen. She's right. frozen. You've just, you've just come back. It ha- I think you- both froze. Yes, I can hear you clear as anything. <laughs> the joys of uh wi-fi yes um so I, I i grew up in uh quite a rough area of southeast london and i went to a special school for visually impaired partially sighted and blind children and at our school we had regular lessons that were not two hours long because you get eye fatigue 
So the lessons were much shorter, but we got the opportunity to really explore a, a huge range of skills, you know, practical things. And then you kind of, uh, you found which was important to you and you kind of got channeled into that direction. So with me, I was always a really high academic achiever. Um, I consecutively scored, you know, A's right across the board all the time from a very early age. But I also excelled at <clears throat> music and creativity and arts as well. But academically is, is what drew everybody's attention. So I kind of got funneled down that academic route more than the creative side. Um, so I... I graduated from there with with you know straight A's I was doing the Duke of Edinburgh award and I swung into a tree <laughs> and I didn't realize but about a, a month later I started to become quite sick and I had actually um not quite burst but I'd I'd really damaged one of my kidneys right. and so they gave me loads of uh you know treatments and what have you and I'd just scored nine straight A's for my A-levels and I'd got into Oxford and um, I had discovered that I was having a baby because all the treatments and everything then of course made any contraception I was doing invalid but I didn't know that back then because it was the 80s yeah so so I'm I'm there I'm having a baby everybody everybody around me went absolutely crazy because you know this whole academic thing academic excellence you know oh god she's thrown away her life and you know I didn't listen to them basically I I I I had earned my place I had earned my A grades I had really I was really dedicated now growing up in southeast London in the 70s and 80s it was a hideously rough place and a lot of girls turned to prostitution drugs um theft crime uh, they got involved with sexual crimes um all, all kinds of things like that and I never did because I always had my I had my brain and, yeah. I, and I was a high achiever so I never got involved even though it led to extreme bullying and extreme stigmatism and extreme sort of like uh don't go near her you know she's a bit weird kind of thing yeah. um I always used my intellect I never not one time felt if, straight away from that so I'd earned my place so I had the baby and you know I ran away I, I actually ran away and I I was determined to have the baby and I I was really happy that I was bringing life into this world and I I had him on, on my own and I picked apart all the because all it was a lot of pressure you know oh god you know you've thrown your life away you're never going to amount to anything you've got a visual impairment you're partially sighted what the hell are you going to do now how are you going to manage you know and my brain my mind and my brain and that inner voice was telling me don't listen so I, I didn't listen and I carried on going and when Joseph was so I'd missed the September term and I, I'd had him in September and I missed the September term, the start of the year in January. So he was about 16 weeks old. I picked apart the rule book, which said there was a law that, uh, you know, really fierce rule because Oxford University is, is very archaic. You know, it's Victorian. Yeah. It's very the old school tie network. It's very men male driven yeah. and and there I was with baby to go because as far as I was concerned I earned my place yeah so I picked apart the rule book and it stated that they didn't allow push chairs or prams on the premises right it didn't say anything about a living breathing baby it just yeah. said you know and there was this whole discouragement young mothers teenage mothers just you know don't even bother trying kind of that was the that was the ethos and the whole attitude of everybody pretty much everybody so I picked apart legally you know um intelligently you know I'd formed an intelligent dialogue with myself so that I couldn't find the word infant or baby toddler or anything I couldn't find it anywhere in the text and I really did pick it apart and pick it apart because on the one hand you've got this super intelligent woman 
yes, she's just a teenager, but you've got this super intelligent woman who's now become a mother. But on the other hand, you've got everybody saying, oh, well, that's it, your life's over. So it's, I marched in there with him in a baby carrier strapped on my on my chest and I took my place in the auditorium the main auditorium to sit for the lecture and security came and they were like I'm very sorry uh you you can't stay here with a baby I said well if you show me where it says that where where that's stated I will leave so of course you know because I'd already picked it apart so I ended up I ended up staying and uh as Joseph turned one I started doing they allowed me to do distance learning so I could actually still go because back then in the 80s early 90s there was no provision for young mothers it was literally like I mean when I had him hospital wards were still had 14 beds down each side you know it was really old-fashioned and they were using terry nappies and it wasn't uh you know it was it was still very much male-driven Victorian era you know not much had changed in the academic the advanced academic uh, sphere not much had changed still at that time so um yeah I earned my place I got my degrees I've got three degrees oh fantastic and I I went on I went on to become one of the top behavioral scientists in the country but in 2006 I had a an assault it was a horrific assault if anybody wants to learn the details of that there is several talks online already um, where I've shared that intimate experience but it left me paralyzed for seven years from diaphragm down so once I'd gone through that experience and I've come out the other side in in about 2013 I learned to walk even though they said I wouldn't be able to there was no way um, intelligent brain again kicked in saying no you know don't listen don't you know and I stuck with my own my internal dialogue is is really quite solid you know and I depend on it my intuition um, so I knew I'd be able to I knew I'd be able to overcome that despite what everybody was saying and I went on and I decided that I hadn't really chosen that career path so although I was really good at it and I really did excel and I've trained some of the top professionals in the UK and the States and some parts of Europe over the last like 30 odd years, I decided that I was going to do something just for me. So now I'm well and truly out the other side, all the illness and everything is, um, you know, I've overcome several rounds of illness. I had terminal cancer at one point as well because my body just started shutting down after the assault and I've come out the other side now and I actually am, a wellness ambassador known as the self-love architect. I run three businesses. I'm a nutritional fusion chef. I developed a chef program because I've always been a cook as well, creative cook. And I I fuse together different cultures to provide food that feeds the body at cellular levels so that you can have this subconscious in a dialogue with yourself and the uh, at cellular level and soul immune system level you can enhance your very state of being. And I'm also a knitwear designer. Yes. So I do quite I do quite a, a, a broad spectrum of things. But it's uh, under the blanket banner of the Celebrate Life Guild. I formed the Celebrate Life Guild because I genuinely feel that you have the right to celebrate your life while you're living it and not wait till you've died and leave it to your family to say, this is a celebration of Helen. Helen's achieved you should be doing that for yourself really oh i absolutely love this love 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 it and this you are so inspirational and i can see synchronicities i think anyone that listens to any of my interviews the s word comes up everywhere and this is where people connect and it's just lovely to hear so many things in your story are inspirational, empowering, and like you say, yes. I mean, I know that Joe Duckfield and Amanda Joy Harrison have both interviewed you, and that story, that bit where you glossed over that that little bit of your life and what you achieved, it is documented in both of those wonderful ladies' shows. Yeah, so, there's several live yeah. talks on the on the web. If you just you know, yeah. 
<laughs> I have it on my website as well, celebratelifeguild.global. I've put some of the longer talks on there. So they are widely available because it was quite a horrendous time. But yeah. you can't really, uh, you say glossed over because this is yeah. an hour-long interview and yeah. <laughs> obviously I mean, it's, it's so mammoth that... Uh, yeah. It, and in that respect, I'm going to ask you now, Please, will you come back and be a regular guest? I know we've talked about this prior to the interview, but you have so many wonderful messages that will inspire and empower anyone that listens. So please, can I ask you now, will you come back and be a guest? Oh, 100%. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to doing something. It'd be, be just amazing because I've managed to somehow, one of the most important things to me since I was a child has always been being dependent. Yeah. You know, so I am, I am one of those public figures that is not affiliated to any one particular thing. Yeah. So I am completely independent. And I think that that carries me, you know, that does stand me in good stead, because I am available then to say, yes, Pearl, let's do this, you know, yeah. and, and it's just amazing. Oh, this is absolutely wonderful. And you have inspired me for everything where well, you said about the the creative work you do, the knitting and everything. Now, some of your the images and the posts you share on Facebook, I just love that. Um, I, I've always been a knitter and, a, and I crochet, but I haven't touched that for years and years. And you've inspired me to pick up thread and start doing things again. So I need to say thank you to you for that. Because oh, it but it's is... meditation. It's meditation, isn't yeah. it? I kind of zone out while I'm doing it. Sort of sitting there like, and, and you you do zone out. Yeah. I mean, this week, I I, I suddenly, ha- suddenly had an epiphany. I mean, this has been like 10 years in the making, but I suddenly worked out how to knit a daffodil in one piece. Oh, so there's wonderful. only one tiny seam, <laughs> one tiny little... <laughs> This is wonderful. It's like, honestly, I suddenly was lying in bed and I suddenly thought. (gasps) (laughs) It's when that inspiration, that divine inspiration comes through. And when you share 10 years of mental (laughs) anguish and suddenly the other night it hit me and I couldn't sleep for nearly two days. Yeah. Making them. Yes. Yeah, so I know that feeling as well. When you think, when you've got an idea, when my guides are coming through, that's it, I can't sleep. If I wake up in the middle of the night with an idea, I know then there's no hope. I'm not going to sleep. Up I get and I start documenting all the ideas, all the downloads. You know what? I'm seeing flowers now, right? And I'm I'm looking at them in one piece, like the the shape of the knitted fabric. I'm like, oh, I could do that and that. And that, I just, it's not enough hours in the day to knit them. <laughs> yes, oh, yes, I know that feeling. The times, because I've done, I've done the little intricate four-ply when, when my children were younger. I love the big <laughs> chunky knits because they grow quickly. I used to have two separate knitting machines and I'd sit there because when the children were younger, that was going to be my idea that I was going to start my first business was knitting. And I used, I used to make outfits for my children's friends, that was their birthday present when my daughter was going to parties and things. I'd do like a little top and a knitted skirt and all these things. And I'd sit there sometimes in two days, you could do that. And you know, in the, back in the 80s, the knitted the knitted suit was, I had yeah. one. I had two, I yeah. think. And they were just amazing, weren't they? Yes. And, the, and everything, so comfortable. And when you go into things, I don't know about you, our loft is full of wool. Probably wool that I will never use, but I will go and I will pick up things. And I think, right, I like that, I like that, and then I get patterns. I must have reams <laughs> and reams of patterns to use as well. I'll tell you a secret: my laptop that I'm doing this interview with you on is on a yarn box. Brilliant! Oh, I love that. Absolutely, absolutely. It's love standing it. on a yarn a box full of yarn. 
I've, I've got to tell you a story, actually, uh, while we're on this subject. Um, the, the, the theme for International Women's Day this year was Choose to Challenge, wasn't it? Yeah. And uh, pe- everyone, all the women involved were talking about something where they've chosen to challenge something in their lives, which has then propelled them forward. Well, I was paralyzed after the assault and I was lying in bed and I have been a knitter since I was four years old. So I was in the middle of making toys for my children because uh, I have six children and um, one one recent, very recent granddaughter now. But I, I've always made things and I was in the middle of making things when this happened. And I was crying when my friend came to visit and she was like, well, you know what, what, what's 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 making you look because you're not just you look sad. She said it's yeah. something more than just the injuries. What what is it? So I I told her, you know. My hands were, I had serious nerve damage where my abdomen was so injured. I couldn't hold the knitting needles. Because, you know, when you're a crafter, you've always got some form of something in your handbag, haven't you? And I had these with me in my bag, but I couldn't hold them. I was like fumbling like this. I couldn't hold them. So she, she went away. She said she was going for coffee and she went away and she came back with these knitting looms. And they have, it's a round circle and it's got pegs on. Yeah. And she, I argued, I said, oh, that you, that, you know, and she was telling me that corking is the oldest form of knitting where people stuck pins into like rocks or, or something, a cork or something like that. And they moved the loops horizontally instead of on a knitting needle, they're all lined up like that. So they look vertical, but a knitting loom spreads them out. Yeah. So you're knitting the same row, but with the loops in a different way. Anyway, I argued and argued and argued, and she left it on my chest. And where I was paralyzed, where I was really injured, I couldn't move to get rid of this thing. And uh, she went away, and she came back the following day. And when she'd come back, despite my protests in the middle of the night, I did try it. And I'd made a hat, which my daughter still has. And then I made something else, then something else, then something else. And I went home and I, I, I'd already had an online presence with her. I was an online blogger since before that. So that was 2006. I was an online blogger since 2003 for various things. And I started posting pictures. I started sharing pictures. Look, you know, while I was lying down, I did, did this. And the projects got bigger and bigger and bigger and more and more intricate. And I became a knitwear designer. People were asking, can you tell us how to make it? And so I learned how to make PDFs. Yeah. And, you know, for somebody that can't really see a screen very well, this was massive. Yes. And I had the laptop here and I'm like this <laughs> and I was doing it. I was doing it. And to this day, people were still downloading my designs. Wonderful. And it just gives me so much joy to see. I started a movement which was Friends Of. Yeah. You know, Friends Of. If you, if you could, when you make anything that I've inspired you to make, if you tagged me, you know, and, and it, it became, it became a huge thing, Yeah, you know? Uh, so knitwear, loom knitting, um, I, I can pretty much do any design that you can do on needles. I can achieve on a loom. I think I was one of the first person in the world to do a feather and fan stitch, which is the wavy one with the, mm. the holes and then the little spikes, you know, I was the first one to come up with that. It took, took about six months to work it out, <laughs> but I got there. And so now there's, now there's other designers that are doing like producing other stitches, other complex lace stitches. And it's just amazing because you literally can, it doesn't matter what's happened to you. You yeah. can choose to find another way. It just, it just proves the point that choosing to challenge because, you know, like lying there really injured and not able to do much, not even able to hold anything, you know, because I couldn't play the guitar, couldn't do anything with my with my hands, except I was like this on my laptop with it right up here, you know. Um, you, there's always a way. There's always a way. You should never just accept someone else's narrative for how you want to be. I never have, and I, I don't doubt I ever will now I've turned 50. You know, I doubt that's, it's, it's you know, that's that's who I am. And that is absolutely wonderful. And is what well, I started the interview by saying how empowering and inspirational you are. And every everywhere that you're sharing your message, it's those those pearls of wisdom, those golden nuggets that are coming through. And I can remember even I go back to the synchronicities. 
like you said, you went to Oxford. When I was at school, I was down to go to Cambridge to study law. But everything went wrong for my A-level, so I ended up not taking them. And I did. I then took my degree as a mature student. As a single mum and everything, so I set up, set up my first business, did my degree full-time and got divorced all in the same three years. And I, I can remember it well. Yes, and I can remember the playground politics. Now, any mum listening, you can remember, you will go, when it comes to like infant and junior school and you go on and some mothers can be extremely bitchy. and they oh, it's can the be... playground mafia. Oh, <laughs> there's, a book, there's a book out. I can't remember <laughs> the author. It's one of the, one of the top female authors. She wrote the playground mafia and it is hilarious. Is, and I can remember because when when they knew I was going to go to university because it was when my daughter was still at infant school, and they put they got one lady to come and ask me, and she said to me, she says, "What makes you think that you're good enough to go to university?" And I thought, right yeah. then, I'm going to have you, Mrs. And I looked there and I said, um. Well, I was supposed to go to Cambridge when I did my A-levels, but I had to postpone that. So, yes, I think that's what qualifies me to actually go to university now. Your brain doesn't diminish just because you have children. In fact, it grows. I know. There's a huge... There is still... I mean, my daughter, um, she went to chef school um, and catering, catering college and chef school. And she's just had a baby and she's just turned 21 on the 21st of, um, sorry, on the 1st of January, 2000, she was born. So she's just turned 21 on the 1st of January, proper millennium princess. She had her baby in September and she's now in that position. And I'm, you know, I'm sort of saying to her, well, between the two of us, and we do run the, the chef program, you know, the, the teaching people how to enhance their overall state of being. Um, let's just, you know, fly with that for a while. And so she's she's getting quite excited because she's coming to the end of maternity leave. But there is quite a stigma when yeah. you have a baby um, still to this day. I mean, even with all my massive qualifications and um, really high standing in, in academic world, there's still a stigma, you know, because yeah. uh, I homeschooled my children. My oldest two went to school for the reception in year one. Yeah. Um, so one was in year one and one was in reception when I took them out of school. And I've actually homeschooled for 26 years this year. Yeah. So and they've all gone on to university and uh, free thinkers, independent thinkers. I was determined that they weren't going to be herded. Yeah. You know, herd, the herd mentality, the sheep mentality. Yeah. Oh, I was yeah. determined they were going to be free thinkers because I think that there is a stigma around parenthood, especially if you're a mum, especially if you're a single mum. I mean, I've still got a 13-year-old. And so, <laughs> you know, I I understand it. I do understand it really well. But in this day and age, you know, we're in 2021. Yeah. Having a baby doesn't need to mean you're throwing away your life no. like it once did you know there was this huge this huge amount of pressure to get through everyday life already without people giving you their opinions yeah. about how they think you're throwing your life away I mean life is a celebration like you know I'm all, all for it's magical it's a magical gift and if we can if we can be enhancing to that in any way we should be including and especially to our own Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's instilling. I mean, I know, like I said, I did my first business and the degree all at the same time. Yeah, I did. And, and I just wanted to teach my children that that work ethic is there, that you can achieve absolutely anything you put your mind to. And it came, I mean, both of my children were badly bullied at school. And it was quite nice to know that they came to mum. They didn't come to anyone else because it was mum that would stand the ground and go and have words with the school and with the teachers and everything. I can still remember some, <laughs> some, some wonderful jumped up. Oh, you know, you know, the mean girls, they'd left a message on my daughter's phone and I picked it up and I got back to him. I said, big mistake. You haven't got. And I said my daughter's name. I said, you've got her mother. Big, big, 
big mistake. You know, almost, I know. Almost, <laughs> the Julia Roberts Pretty Woman thing. And I said, not only am I going to the school, I'm going to the papers, I'm going to the radio, I'm going to everything. And I will make sure that the way you have treated my daughter is sent global. I will make it viral and you will make sure that you will never do it again. I had two mothers back on the phone to me. I'm so sorry. I'm mortified that my daughter has done such a thing. But I thought, no, there was no way. I mean, they were vicious to my daughter and she's she's really got some fight in her. So I'm afraid, yes, it is. Us mothers will stand up and they, it, it does sometimes hit people when they think that they can be so, so nasty. And then well, I, I feel really that. proud because I've brought up two very vibrant, very strong, very independent, very individual daughters. You know, one's going to be 25 this year who's, uh, you know, she's a filmmaker and the other one is uh, a mum, but she's also a chef and she has like three jobs and she's, you know, she's deserving to make it. You know, So <laughs> I, I do feel, you know, I'm inspired by them all the time because no matter what I do, no matter what I say, yeah. they've got their own vision and their own idea and they do not let me or anybody else influence them in any way. You know, they 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 come and say, well, I've, I'm doing this. Yeah. And, you know, I smile so big inside because yeah. that's how I am. Yeah. Like, I just get on with it, you know. Oh, it is. And when you said, when you said about that herd mentality, the amount of times I've had conversations with people where I say, I am not a sheep. I will never follow. I will lead. Others follow me. And there's no way I, I that herd mentality where everyone just follows just for the sake of it when they don't understand the reasoning or why they're following. And if we can impart just that little word of wisdom for the listeners to say, stand up for yourself, see how empowering you are, Helen, and learn from that because we can achieve anything. Well, it's, it's interesting because I, I do run events. I mean, well, I did before this nonsense started <laughs> and we had to do everything online. You know, I, I, I have run big events before and um, one of the things I'm really big on because I never set out to be a leader. I'm not a deliberate leader. Uh, you know, I, I, I understand that I... And I'm truly humble that I do inspire so many people globally, you know, on, on a global platform. But I, whenever I run an event, I encourage people by saying, when you're in this room, in this space, we are all equal. There isn't a leader and there isn't a follower. We are all equal, eye to eye. And I'm very big. The reason why I became known as the self-love architect was because I instill that value. You know, people don't value their position. Yeah, It's like um, I, I regularly get people online saying, wow, I can't believe you've taken the time to respond to my respond to my post. Or okay, someone like you, if someone like you is, is, is uh, adding here, you know, wow, you know, and I'm like, but we're equals. Yeah. We're both just people. Yeah. We're both equal. We're, we're, you know, I lift you up, you lift me up, your presence lifts me in equal measure, just as much as mine does you, you know, and I think it's really, really important to realise that. So on an architectural scale, to build the foundations, and it starts with valuing what you have. And we've all got it in us to, to be anything, do anything, achieve anything. But it starts in here, it starts with those building blocks, with making your subconscious super strong, making your body super strong at a cellular level, understanding that you have a soul immune system, understanding that spiritually you're so much bigger than just what's contained inside your skin. So understanding all of this, we're all connected and we're all equals. We all, bec- we all you know, hail from the same energy source. We can tap into that at any time and really enhance our state of being because by enhancing your own state of being guess what you're enhancing mine and they're enhancing yours so you know that's truly what I believe and it's it's what I've I've learned not just academically but through bitter personal I mean I've been on the edge of the black hole I've had two breakdowns in my adult life where I've been literally 
clinging on by the very tips of my fingernails, not wanting to fall in or trying to decide whether I want to fall in. You know, I, I have. And this is why I turned my back on my huge career because it just didn't fit with that kind of expansion. It didn't, you know, it, it was too uh, rigid yeah. and too male driven. So I thought, well, I can make a huge difference as an independent yeah. and really go for it. So that's that's really what, you know, that's really what it's all about is being just being able to express myself and being me at all times, 100% of the time. Oh, yes, this is absolutely wonderful. And it is, it's almost what the universe is sending you when you've got that vibration high enough. And I know when I've been in corporate, the universe, at the time, I just thought, oh, yes, it's me getting poorly. But it was the universe telling me it would start with a cold. Then it would go to a cough because I'd be working 18, 20 hour days. You know, you twist your ankle or something. Yeah. yeah, something little. Yeah, yeah. And then literally you hit this brick wall because I can still remember starting with a cough, went to pneumonia. I had three months with steroids, with everything. And when you work for yourself, of course, when you don't work, you have no income and actually not being able to do that. And that was a lesson learned that I had to have balance. But yes, I always try and give 150, 200 percent to whichever customer and client I'm working at. But I have to remember to save something for me, because if I'm not saving that reservoir for me, I can't give to anyone else. I can't deliver what they want me to if I'm physically not well enough. And it goes back to everything and the work that you do, like like the nutrition that you've worked out, as you were saying, to actually know how to feed your body to keep you at that level that you don't deplete everything and you can't physically work. Yeah, high vibrational. <clears throat> and you have to remember that I've actually lost 284 pounds in weight as well. Wow. You know, I was a massive person throughout my whole adult life because I was just miserable. Yeah. You know, I was doing all these great, amazing things. And I, I was a massive, you know, massive high achiever. I had my children and I, and everything was great. But inside, I was dying. Yeah. And so I, I, you know, I was a massive, massive woman. <laughs> I mean, I took like size 32 trousers and like my chest was like 66 to 68 inches um you know I was huge I was massive I had like my face and my head and if it was was enormous you know um and so you know I set out to really enhance my body I really wanted to enhance it and that, and the more and more I stripped away at that the more and more I realized you can change this yeah. But unless you change what's on the inside as well, it's never going to work. It's never going to stick. And I wanted it for life. You know, I wanted to be this fit, healthy, holistically healthy, illness and disease free. I wanted that so bad that it became, you know, it became my, you know, my morning, noon and night, my, you know, the moon and the stars. It just became everything. Yeah. And now it's my reality. Yeah. You know, so it can be done. It truly, truly can be done. I mean, I've reversed terminal cancer, autoimmune disease, immune deficiency. These are massive, massive things. Uh, and I've lost 284 pounds in weight. And I'm sharing all the time how to do this. But the second I open my mouth and start speaking, I know that it's like, it's it just feels alien to it's it feels it feels unattainable to to most people but i'm smiling away saying but hello yeah and i think it is you say that this is where anyone listening to this interview i'd say listen to it again and again listen to helen's words until they truly sink in because sometimes it doesn't sink in first time and you'll find it each time you listen, there will be another nugget that you're meant to hear at that time and to actually start understand just what yeah, it's like to. building a Lego house, like yeah. a house of Lego. You start with one block yeah, and then you add another block, yeah. then another block. You don't kind of look at yourself as this mass of th mass of things yeah. and say, well, how am I going to address that? Because that's too big. Yeah. You have to address things, tiny things, one at a time. And then when you finished with the first one, yeah. you then the second brick finished with that one. 
then add another one and finish with that one. You don't kind of look at everything in this big, massive, jumbled up mess. Because, I mean, when you're a mum, when you've got a house, you've got your kids, you've got the bills, you've got debt, you've got stresses. One of them will get sick and you can't work, so you can't earn any money. You'll have to do something for that. You know, there's things, life happens, life comes up, and it throws us challenges all the time. So this is about achieving whilst all of that is going on by scaling things right down into tiny little bricks and building with them each time you finish one you've got it for life and then you move on and you've got another one then another one and then another one I mean it's taken me 10 years plus to get here to sit here and look this vibrant and be you know feel so relaxed and and able to smile without having to force it you know yeah like smile from the inside it's taken a good 10 years to get to this point but I was dedicated to myself I was 100% dedicated to it and I think that that driving force has always been in me right from a very early age and all I did was tap into it now because I always say you know there's a photo going around the internet of an eight-year-old me and I always say this is my hero because yeah. she wouldn't have shied away from anything. She, you know, she she was presented with stuff and she just did them, you know, just like I do now. So uh yeah. So it's it's all about that having that growing that belief in yourself that you can achieve because you totally, totally can. There isn't anything. I mean, I can't even see when I go out in the sun and stuff. Does that stop me doing anything? No. And this is what is so inspirational and empowering like I say and once you get to understand that even if you do have the odd blip where you have a a day or a week where you don't feel 100% because of those foundations that you've already put in place when you come back to it it's so much easier you don't like you said you don't forget what you've already learned sometimes you have so you're not starting from the beginning each time yeah Um, that's why I'm an architect that's why I'm a builder because I, I help people build yeah. so that every time they have a setback, they're not jumping in from the starting point again. Their starting point has moved forward. Yeah. Yeah. And this is what's so very, very special with that. I mean, if you were to look at, say, three key areas across your career that you feel are those defining moments, could you pick three or is it the whole foundation and that whole journey? Well, I think I can pick three because I used to be a very stiff, you know, designer suit and tie, you know, designer suit. I used to be a really stiff, um, some would say more well-spoken woman that I was trying to fit into this man's world and I was trying to be like them. And it was only when I got, so badly ill and so badly injured that I took a long hard look at all of that and I started to drop that telephone voice that permanent telephone oh well hello you know I started to drop that and just be myself honor my true essence and it didn't really matter anymore so I think that was that was a very poignant moment so that was one of the one one of the key moments in my career um, when I finally was able to say, well, here I am, take it or leave it. Yeah. Because I'm really not fussed what you think, you know, because I'd stopped trying to fit in. I'd stopped trying to be something that I wasn't. And then the other, one of the other key key moments was accepting that I have a rather unique appearance and therefore I'm never going to blend in. Um, I was born with a condition, genetic condition known as albinism which means I have crystal white hair, really, really pale skin. I'm allergic to UV rays, so the daylight does hurt me. It actually physically hurts me because I've got a rare strain of albinism that means that my blood platelets do funky things when I'm exposed to too much UV. So I do have to be extraordinarily careful. And I was still trying to fit in, and I was going along to things, and I was getting burned. I was getting, like, radiation burns on the backs of my legs Mm. and on my face, and I was getting, you know, huge chunks of skin was peeling off. And I was doing all this to myself in order to fit into this man's world. And I suddenly realized I'm 
just so ill. I can't do it anymore. I just can't do it anymore. And when I woke up and I realized I didn't have to do it, I was accepted anyway. Yeah. It was all in my head. It was all in my head. Other people's perceptions were none of my business. And if I saw a perception that I had, that made me feel awful or made me feel sad or made me feel negative in any way, I knew that that was just my imagination. Yeah. I was drawing it myself. And, I, you know, so these are key moments in my career. And then another really... The third key poignant moment was 22 years ago, I was online. And now my children were quite young at that point. I was hiding from them. I was hiding from my own children because other children were saying unkind things to them about their mum's appearance. So your mum's a witch your mum looks haunted, your mum looks like a ghost, you know, all the, all the kind of bog standard, bog standard albinism kind of, or anyone with a difference will be able to relate to this. Children are can be quite cruel because they say it like it is. You know, they say what immediately comes to their minds, yeah. oh, wow, your mum looks like a witch. You know, they don't necessarily mean that in a cruel way. It's just that it comes out like that. It, you feel like it's being cruel. So I was hiding from my own children. I wanted them to be popular. I wanted them to be really well loved. And on the street where we were living, all the other children loved them. So I was hiding away. And um, I was online and I was feeling really, really sad and quite lonely at the time. You know, I was quite like, you know, that that really did affect me. Having I felt like I had to do that. You know, I know that it's not necessary now. You know, I, I know now that I shouldn't have done that. But I really felt like I had to do that so that they would have a chance of having a vibrant childhood without the children. Yeah. I was online and I was talking to this guy who he was doing research because he was a top fashion photographer for Vogue, um, <coughs> Christian Dior, Valentino. You know, he was one of the top photographers in the world, fashion photographers. And he, he'd seen a girl at a bus stop that looked like me. And he went online and he was uh, doing research to find other people that had this unique appearance. And so he, was, he wanted to ask his survey. He wanted to do his survey questions like how you felt about how you were portrayed in Hollywood as a freaky kind of horror movie character, a deranged um you know, whenever there was a, a haunting or a, a zombie or a, a really deranged character that had evil powers, you know, you were, they they had albinism. They had white hair, freaky red eyes, you know, and, and it was all, they their personality was was mental, you know, like crazy, like crazed. Mm. And they were, they were seen to be targeting other people in a criminal way. And, of course, my behavioural science, psychological criminologist background I was able to answer these questions with sincerity on, from both sides of the spectrum. And then we got together and he, he was forming a movement because he was sick of seeing this. And after doing his surveys and finding people like me, he was learning about the fabric of what makes a person. So he'd been on this side of the lens where he was photographing people that were made to look beautiful and he was then presented with people like myself who really are beautiful, you know, because they're not these deranged people that are depicted in Hollywood and on television. So he started a movement called Positive Exposure. And I was involved with that right from the beginning. And I'm now a Pearl Ambassador for, for Positive Exposure that shows that you can be out loud and proud, not hiding no matter what your appearance is, no matter how you think you look. I mean, hell, we're living in a day and age now where everybody's trying to achieve my hair colour yeah. <laughs> or they're dyeing their hair bright blue. I mean, my, one of my daughters has got bright blue hair. You know, it doesn't really matter anymore. It yeah. doesn't matter anymore. So we've, we've, we've gone full circle and now it's all being, you know, viva la difference. It's all being embraced having a difference everybody's trying to have an individual unique <laughs> appearance now I know this wasn't always the case but it's movements like this the work that we do in inspiring people to just be themselves it's it really is uh 
So doing non-profit stuff was the huge, became an advocate for thousands. You know, so that was another poignant moment in my career. Oh, this is absolutely wonderful. And I'm going to tell you now, you are beautiful inside and out. And I'm going to say to every single listener that Helen is wonderful, beautiful. She inspires everyone, as I've said all the way through. And I was thinking, as you said, I have spent thousands, and I mean thousands, to get the wonderful hair colour that you've got throughout my life. I have looked to be blonde. (laughs) I mean, some of mine is now grey, which is an age thing. And I'm thinking, no, but I have I have spent a small fortune just to have the wonderful hair colour that you've got. Like you said, it is, it's so sought after. You are beautiful inside and out. And you you do inspire so many people just from your story, from your profile, from your personality and everything that you do. You probably touch each and every one of us in so many different ways and what you've achieved, you inspire us all in your whole story, like I've said. And I'm so grateful that you've said you will come back because literally I could do a whole series just on what you could teach people. You know, I've got got to tell you this. About three years ago, I was sitting at an an event similar to a Tony Robbins event because I always, I did feel like chalk and cheese, you know, like on the one hand, I can do all this great stuff, but I can't talk about myself. So I I wanted to learn, you know, personal development, make me stronger, teach me the motivational, How you know, (laughs) you know, I thought I, I thought I needed to know. So, So I ended up at this rather expensive event microphone was coming round you know I nearly cracked myself I couldn't speak I was I was shaking I just couldn't and then I thought you know what what why are you why are you doing that you you give massive presentations to the workplace and in corporate companies and in uh, you know you know I talk to police officers and you know, I teach them about sexual crimes and really, really taboo subjects. And I couldn't say, I couldn't string a single sentence together about myself. And I really wanted to, I wanted to get this voice out. This voice was so powerful. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what's happened. In now, in this moment, you're perfect. I really wanted to say that. And I just couldn't. I just couldn't, like, I was shaking. So, you know, even becoming a public speaker and being able to walk out on stage, say, this is me. Yeah. This this thing happened. I look like this now, but this wasn't always the case. This happened and this happened and I was seriously ill, seriously damaged, you know, and, and now here I am. You know, I think it's really important that all of us find that voice and find that, you know, because I, I know looking at me and hearing me now, you might think, oh, wow, you know, she looks really solid. She looks like she knows what she's doing. It wasn't always the case. It truly wasn't. You know, I, I have had, I, I know I, I understand because people tell me all the time, but you make everything look effortless. <laughs> it's literally because I'm just focused on the present moment. Yeah. That's the secret. There is no secret formula other than that. No. And in and you saying that I know what my my life purpose is and I've only found that out and truly came into that I'd say this year. I had an inkling last year and I've started working to it and my purpose is to give a voice to those that haven't been heard before to actually amplify everyone's message so their story is told and it touches the lives that they need to and it's, it's understanding that but that took quite it's 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 been heart-centered like you say you be your authentic self and you don't have to be front and center but it's being there to give everyone else a voice that we all need to hear and when you well, understand, understand greatly how it feels to be sat at home crying and not knowing what you're going to feed your children and not knowing, you know, what's what's coming, what on earth are you going to do? I mean, I've nearly lost my house three or four times in the last six years because I was so avidly trying to get my voice out there and get, you know, get get healthy. 
get stronger, get to a point where I, like right in this moment, get to this point where I could say, this is what I do. This is what I am. (laughs) You can too. If I can do that, you can too. I mean, I understand what it's like to be at home, be on benefits, have absolutely nothing. And you know what? Up for all this, like the last year, 12 months of being at home, because I'd gone through all those like really sort of like dark experiences, I was able to cope perfectly well. So people were asking me, but how are you managing? And I was saying, well, I came from a place of nothing. Yeah. And I'm flour- and I flourished with that. Yeah. So anything that comes up is a bonus. So this this hasn't my life hasn't changed at all, apart from not being able to go on stage and touch people in person you know, actually really physically touch people in person. You know, that's that's about the only thing that did change over the last 12 months and learning how to use technology, which you've been fantastic <laughs> helping me with. You know, I, I felt like so like, oh my goodness, suddenly my daughters weren't living at home anymore. So how am I going to manage? I don't know about this stuff. <laughs> it is. And this is why I think the universe brings people together so that we can complement and enhance the gifts that we already have so we can join with others and help to share that message. And you say that when I said about doing my degree and everything as a single mum, I can remember my daughter's best friend, her father was the local Baptist um, priest. And I remember for, for Harvest, they came to our door, they knocked on the door and they gave us a box of harvest things that have been donated. And I know it meant so much, but, you know, I I cried my eyes out because I I thought, what is that the perception that everyone else had of me? And I bet you felt really alone before that happened. Yeah. 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 And it's this is where the universe brings the right people at the right time. Have I got time for one more tiny little, tiny little story, but it's massive as well. Yeah. When I, when I was diagnosed with terminal cancer, I was given a hundred days to live. Now that was six years, four months. And what's the date today? So it was a few days, you know, so six, six years and four months ago, I went online and said, I can't do this life thing anymore. I was so alone and so desperate. But I, I had my children in the house. You know, don't get me wrong. They were, some of them were adults by then. And I was, I, I was just so alone. And I was just so fatigued. And so, like, I've, I've spent my entire life swimming uphill. Yeah. I can't do it anymore. And I, I don't want to die, like, on kidney dialysis with all strangers around me, um, horrifically scared. I, I couldn't do it. So I went online and I shared this. I think we've lost the signal. Have we lost the signal? No, I still hear you. Really. I went online and I shared this. And I didn't think anyone was going to take any notice or listen or, or feel. Yeah. Thousands upon thousands of people. Because I, I said that the NHS isn't offering me anything. They said there's no hope. And I, I can't afford to do anything. I can't even afford to look at anything else, not even like spending 50 quid a week on supplements. I can't even afford that. Yeah. And thousands upon thousands of people got together. They said, you can't, you're the one person that can't give up. You're our dragonfly lady. Dragonfly is a symbol of hope and blind faith and strength. Yeah. And we can't let you go. And thousands of people clubbed together without my knowledge. I knew after they'd done it, they paid for me to go to a private clinic and get holistic treatments. Oh. So that just is an example of the collective. Yeah. So there's no reason to feel alone is what I'm saying and why I'm sharing this. There's no reason to feel alone because... There is people out there. And when you put your message online and when you're really open, and I was really vulnerable in the moments that I was sharing that I couldn't do it. I couldn't even afford to, you know, um, I didn't even know where I was going to buy food that week. And it was, it was really one of those things that I was at the food bank. I'm not going to lie. You know, I was getting 
box bags from the food bank at that time because we'd just moved to London. You know, I'd, I'd moved back to, to London, but I was living in North London. And um, I didn't know what I was going to do. And then I got this diagnosis. I'd come out of a really horrific relationship as well the week before. I just felt so alone. And I, I wrote online, well, this has happened. This has arrived. I can't do it. So who wants to help me organise my funeral? And I was saying goodbye to people. And and then this one of the guys that I was quite close to that was following me on Facebook, he gathered the money. They turned up at my house and they said, we've booked you in, you start tomorrow. Oh. And I had high strength vitamin C intravenous injected into my arm. My body started to get stronger. I started to... I was able to function and six months in, you know, I did it again. Then another six months in, I did it again. And um, I've recently learned that there's no trace of any cancer, autoimmune disease, immune deficiency. I mean, I only learned this three weeks ago. There's absolutely no trace whatsoever now. So it's thanks to connection and it's thanks to my not being silent about how it really felt at the time. Because I was, I felt so alone. I didn't know what. I didn't know what love was, what understanding. I didn't know those things because I'd been such a fierce career person, such a fierce, and then I became a public speaker. Then I did this. I never drew breath. I never stopped for a second in my entire adult life, putting my children through homeschooling, dancing school, St. John's Ambulance, finding the money for this, finding the money for that, finding the money for music, finding, you know, I was constantly working at something. Then this arrived. I was paralysed before, you know, then this other, I'd overcome that, this huge thing arrived. And I'm like, I can't do it anymore. Couldn't do it anymore. But the public wouldn't let me wouldn't let me go and they wouldn't let me give up I get thousands of mail I get thousands of letters I get thousands of messages I was going to give up this morning and not go to my appointment not go to do my rehabilitation but I thought about you and I knew that you wouldn't have not gone no matter how crap you felt and so I went now I feel amazing you know I get thousands of them and it just it just proves that we are all connected. Yeah. We we can feel each other, even if we never meet. Yeah. We can, you know, so I I am extremely humble to be here doing this. And my presence as being an inspirational woman, because I have one inspirational woman of the year again. Oh, my presence as inspirational woman is to thank you to all those people that were relentlessly teaching me the value of life and the value of my life and the value of my presence as that inspirational figure. Oh, Helen, this is absolutely wonderful. And it is, you will have inspired so many once again because your story and how you achieve again and again and again, and it's by showing up being authentic being your authentic self and showing people how you feel and so many relate to that and can see you as that inspiration almost that mentor that they want to follow because they can see your journey and the path you've taken and you've shown it's achievable from anything everything you set your mind to you have achieved and more and that is just absolutely wonderful. And I well, thank you. You do have it in you to do absolutely anything, be anything in any moment. And for serious backup, just be open about it. And life can be a struggle. And, you know, I really do understand that because I've lived it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I haven't just learned things from books or events. You know, I haven't just morphed into, oh, I'm a spiritual leader. You know, yeah. I haven't done that. <laughs> I really have experienced the things that I talk about. Yeah. And I think that that um, people, so people can relate. People, you know, people do say, well, my thing wasn't as big as yours, <laughs> but I'm going through this. And I say to them, you know, it's not a competition. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, I might get a splinter and it might wind me up in bed because I've had immune system issues in the past. You might get a splinter and be able to run a mile. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? It's not a competition. Everybody yeah. comes at life from their own perspective. So it, the title of my book has been, it depends on your perspective. It was delayed because of the, uh, it was um, given to the publishers and all approved just at the start of the uh globally but my the 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 title of my book is actually it depends on your perspective because we all come at life from our own unique perspective and it's very important to remember that life's not a competition just focus on you and we're all here to give you serious backup oh wonderful 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 and unfortunately i am going to have to draw this interview to a close i could i could we could sit here and do a three hour long interview and share things and still have loads more to say. I know, I did warn you on the. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ask you one question that I end all these interviews on. Helen, as we've already touched on, the theme for International Women's Day and for International Women's Year, the theme for this year is Choose to Challenge. Helen, what does Choose to Challenge mean to you, please? Recognise your own voice, hear your own voice, feel your own voice and use it all the time. Oh, wonderful. Absolute perfection. It just leaves me to say thank you so much for being such an inspiring guest. And I cannot wait until we get the chance to sit down and share your wonderful story further. So thank you, Helen. Thank you for having me. I'm really looking forward to all the other things we've got in the pipeline too. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Pearls of Wisdom podcast. We hope you have enjoyed the content shared. Please share with others who would like to enjoy these interviews and discussions. If you would like to support the podcast, please follow the link in the episode description. If you want to be a guest on the show, reach out and let's discuss next steps. Until the next time, enjoy your listening.